Hello and welcome to episode four of Settling the Score. I'm Peter Aitken and here with me is Kit Haig. Hi. Steve Luck. Hello. And Roma Yagnik. Hello. This is our first track. This is Terry Jones with Caravan Assault.
That was Luciano Giacomozzi with a track called One Last Stand. And before that, you heard Richard Chance with his track Long Rider.
That was Tim Oliver with Suspended, and before that, Dan Oliver Finker with Sword and Shield. In this episode, our featured composer is Roma Yagnik. Roma's been composing professionally for three years, and she's based in Newcastle. And Roma, the first thing I'd like to ask you is, how did you start in music? A um, bit of an accident, really. The house that my family moved into when I was about two or three um, had a piano already in it. Um, so I started to play on that and then started having piano lessons as soon as I could, really. I think my mum's rule was as soon as I could count my fingers, then I could start having piano lessons. And what were some of your early inspirations or influences? Um, well, one of my older brothers, I've got three of those, one of my older brothers um, used to play around on the guitar and the piano quite a lot, but he never played existing music. He always just made things up. So right. I think he probably falls into that category. And how did you get into composing? Um, I always, when I was at school, I always used to write music um, and prefer that to the rest of the music studies and had a really understanding music teacher. Um, so she kind of encouraged me to write. And then um, I didn't actually start writing for film and things like that, though, until four years ago. Um, and another one of my brothers is a filmmaker. So um, it was quite kind of mutually beneficial <laughs> for me to get into that. And I did a couple of things for him, um, realised that I really loved it. And then decided to study it and kind of make sure that I knew what I was doing. So I spent a year doing that and then um, just doing lots of projects to build up a showreel and portfolio. Mm. Um, And then I started doing it professionally three years ago. Do you mean you studied film composing? Yeah, I did. um, Sorry, I wasn't very clear there. I did a music degree and I specialised in composition, but nothing to do with composing for film. And then um, there was a big gap, I suppose. And then I started writing for my brother and did a course called Music for the Media, which Guy Mitchell Moore runs, which Steve Luck is also a graduate of. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really useful because they get you working on loads of different examples of projects and you treat it as if it's a real job and they mark you as such. Um, so it's a really good way to get a grip on what the actual job involves. Did that help you getting your first professional job? Um, I you think it did. you remember how you got your first professional <laughs> job? <laughs> well, because I started writing for my brother, what happened really is that he um, clients that he'd done work for then kind of asked for me to do music for other things that they were producing. So it started to, although it had come from my brother's films, I then ended up working for clients that he wasn't working for at the time and it kind of built up a bit like that, um, in terms of down south anyway. Mm. And I'd also started doing um, some work for theatre theatre pieces because I worked for a theatre company as well, right. open class theatre company. Um, and so I kind of did a two-prong kind of attack <laughs> where I had some London-based film work and then I started doing theatre up here and then I started doing film stuff up here as well. Mm-hmm. Do you have your own studio that you work from? Um, yes, I work from a home studio right. that's gradually grown and is much, much more um, equipped and much better better kitted out than it was. Right. Um, your Desert Island scores. Can you tell us your top three favourite film scores and what you like about them? Okay, the first one that I've got is by John Hopkins and it's the score to Monsters, which was a pretty low budget for a feature, um, a film about kind of aliens and humans and kind of the nature of that relationship in a future where aliens have kind of started to take over our planet, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, and John Hopkins' score provides so much of the atmosphere in the film and I just absolutely love it. And it's, if you don't know his work, it's electronic. Um, so it's one of the first scores that wasn't really orchestral that I've really loved that much. Um, second choice was, um, I always say his name wrong, I think, Alexandra Despla. Um, his score to a film called Birth, which is the one where Nicole Kidman um, loses her husband. Her husband dies, and then when she's about to get married to someone else, she encounters a young boy who claims that he is the first husband um, who's died. And I read something about it um, where Jonathan Glazer, who's the director, and um, Alexandra Despla approached the score by um, thinking of all the characters as fairy tale characters, whereas the film's contemporary and set modern day, they kind of put those fairy tale 
kind of traits onto all of the characters and that's how they develop the score. So I really hope that's true. I read it somewhere. Um, and the score's really beautiful and really just complements the film. It's gorgeous. is um, Thomas Newman's a bit of a hero of mine generally but his American Beauty score I think it was the first um, score of his that really kind of hooked me in um, and it's one of my favourites I think it always will be Which piece of your own music do you like the best or are you the most proud of? This, I'm sure everyone says this is a really hard question. <laughs> um, and I kind of went for one that other people seem to have responded well to because I think that's how I tend to gauge whether something's gone well or not. <laughs> um, and it's an ochre sky, 
which I actually wrote for an imaginary project because I wanted to try out some new samples that I just got and the new samples didn't really fit the corporate project that I was working on. So I just wanted to write something really quite lyrical and emotional and kind of yearning, sweeping romance, that kind of thing, um, with a bit of mystery about it. So I wrote this track and then luckily um, a theatre company called Straight Until Morning Theatre Company the director of um, which I'd worked with before, Mary Claire O'Neill, got in touch and asked if it would be um, possible for it to become the score of a production of The Red Shoes that they were doing in London earlier on this year. Um, so it did actually get a life of its own as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's I think it's probably my most popular track on SoundCloud and I am quite proud of it. Mm-hmm. Is there anything particular about the, the music that's, that's got that place in, in your mind or is it just, as you say, because it seems to be the most popular with other people? Is there something about the track particularly? I think it's probably... Like I write quite a lot for libraries and things, but I, I prefer to write to picture. Mm. And with that track, it's probably one of the few tracks that isn't to picture that I feel kind of... I am happy with how it works structurally, and I don't know how to explain it, really. Um, it's one of the tracks that I kind of wouldn't endlessly change if I had the opportunity in time to, mm-hmm. which is probably a good sign. <laughs> say you're involved in outside of composing um well it's all a bit busman's holiday really i was trying (laughs) to think about this i was thinking i work for a theater company as well as composing um and then i watch a lot of films and i listen to a lot of music so that's probably not that exciting but there you go that's Mm. what i do in the rest of my time when composing what's your working process Um, and this kind of varies a bit depending obviously on what the project is because i write for libraries as well 
Um, so generally, whatever the project is, I start at the piano. Um, and that's either whilst I'm watching the picture and improvising along with that, or I'll just be playing around and sketching on the piano. And then the next phase would be to start to pull together the bits of melody or motifs or thematic material that I've liked from what I've been improvising. And then I'll go to the computer and start kind of dropping in some samples. Um, and then the next stage of that would either be me playing if there's no budget for players or getting other people to play um, if there is budget for players, recording and then production. Have you used outside musicians much throughout your career? Um, yeah, when not loads. But yeah, exactly, when budget allows. And especially with theatre, um, some of the time it's been performances, uh, like live performance of the music as well. So there's been soloists within the cast that I've been involved with, kind of helping learn the music. And sometimes they're involved in the composition process as well. I've done theatre projects where participants of the project have sung on the soundtrack um, and things like that. I really love doing that. Um, and as brilliant as samples are, <laughs> You can't beat having kind of some life breathed into yeah. into your work like that. And for theatre productions, do you perform yourself with the other musicians? No, I've never done that, thank goodness. What's it like I... to hear your music performed by other people? I love it. Yeah. absolutely love it. Because it always sounds so much better than <laughs> I imagined that it would do. Because yeah. um, um, I must have been fortunate enough to work with lots of good musicians, I think. <laughs> what are you working on at the moment? Um, I've just finished working on some corporate films and I've been writing for um, Sync Tracks Library and then now I'm getting ready um, to score a film which has just started filming yesterday actually in Birmingham mm. called Inside by David Tomlin um, and that's a kind of apoc apocalypse based um, drama and it's about Adrian who's um, he has agoraphobia so he's been stuck in his apartment for two years and then the film um, kind of surrounds his conversation, his last conversation with the love of his life before the world literally ends. So that's coming up. Um, and also there's a filmmaker called Laurie Cansfield who's doing documentaries around um, the value of proper pubs within the North East. Um, and he's doing a series of films um, based in like pubs that I actually know <laughs> and go to. So um, I'm going to do a bit of score for him for that mm. as well. So those uh, the two film projects there, you're involved quite an early stage. Yeah, which is good because I'm nosy, so I like to <laughs> I like to be involved from the start if I can. Yeah, do you think uh, that's an advantage for a composer to be involved that early in a project? I think it can be both. I think it can be really useful, but I suppose also everything that all of your involvement up to the finished product and the locked edit, if there is ever such a thing now, <laughs> informs what you do. And sometimes that's probably a good thing, but yeah. sometimes I would imagine it's not such a great thing. Um, but especially with kind of documentaries and short film, I quite like to be involved. Mm. You mentioned you're working for sync tracks. Yeah. Library. What's the process involved in writing music for a library? Is it different to composing a picture? Really Do you approach different. it differently? Um, I don't approach it as differently as I thought I would when I started doing it, because I find that I do work better with um, a brief that involves a story even if it's not watching the actual picture, I feel like I'm someone who needs that. So I try and get as much information as to what the gap is that they're trying to fill um, as possible. And then I'll even like go on YouTube and find videos that kind of fall into the kind of genres they need. Mm. And then I'll maybe so you, you write one a of genre. Those. Yeah. Yeah. Usually a genre or um, sometimes it's particular instrumentation mm. um, and things like that. So I normally try and find some kind of visual or narrative stimulus from somewhere. Mm.
That was Enrapture, one of Roma's library tracks. How can people get in contact with you? Um, they can go on my website, which is just romayagnik.co.uk, or I'm easy to find on SoundCloud, um, Facebook, Twitter. Or they can drop me an email even, and the Guild website, of course. Fabulous. Thank you, Roma. Thank you. Thank you.
And that was Ian J. Cole with The Answers Overture, and before that, Philippa Pearson with Outland's Closing Piano. If you're a media composer and you'd like to hear some of your own music featured on Settling the Score in future episodes, then please get in touch. Um, you can email us at info at northernmediacomposers.co.uk or uh, drop something into the, um, the Guild of Northern Media Composers SoundCloud uh, Dropbox. Previous episodes of Settling the Score are available on the Guild website, which is northernmediacomposers.co.uk. If you click on the radio show button, um, it'll take you through to a, a player which you, where you can download and keep forever previous episodes of Settling the Score.
That was Tsunami Dream by Phil Pendlebury. And before that, Jack Goodendeer with his track, Questions. Well, that's it for this episode of Settling the Score. Thanks for listening. In the next episode, we're going to be discussing the soundtrack to the film American Beauty. If you have any topics you'd like us to discuss in future episodes, then please get in contact. Info at northernmediacomposers.co.uk We're going to leave you with two tracks. First, Waltz Fantastique by Jonathan Fletcher and then As Me Knees Give In by Keith Mills featuring Becky Owen. Separate the strong and weak and make it easy.